Summer's almost over, but at Old Navy, the styles are as hot as ever. Get to Old Navy now for 30% off all jeans, 40% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, get 30, 40, and 50% off all your favorite styles for the whole family, plus up to 75% off clearance. Hurry in fast. These deals won't last. The sale ends soon at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid in-store 822 to 828 and online 822 to 824. Excludes in-store clearance, bubbles, active, licensed, and men's package tees. Woke up this morning insane, I'll be just fine, be just fine Falling in love is all good, better days coming this way Butterflies all on my face, love is the season, I'm feeling this way Good morning and welcome to Sant Live This is George's Jungle of Sports and I am your host, George Jarjour Thank you for watching, we're coming at you live and direct from the Sant Live studios In sunny Everett, Washington uh, this episode is brought to you by mybookie.ag. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E.ag. The only place to bet on football games. It's our favorite place to bet. They have the best lines in the industry. And they have a great, great mobile site. Um, they are uh, the industry leader. And it makes betting on the go super easy with their mobile site. So sign up now and you'll get 100% cashback bonus on your first deposit. So that's mybookie.ag. Um, we got a couple comments here. Hi, George. I miss you, man. Can't wait for your show. We miss you too, Sammy. That's from Sammy Michael. And Sammy George says, George's jungles when it become plural. You're right. We will change that. And I know you're out in the back. If you can make a little edit on that, it's not supposed to be plural. You know what happened? We were uh, trying to get it back going before the show. So thank you for pointing that out, Sammy. Um, all right. So we just had our first week of NFL. We're really excited to go through each and every game, give you our key takeaways from the week one NFL action. Really exciting stuff happened, as usual, in the NFL. It's the greatest TV show on earth, I always say. Um, we do love our college football here, but it's definitely not the same. Definitely not. We, we love college football a ton, but the NFL is really where it's at. And we had some fantastic games this weekend, fantastic storylines, and we can't wait to get to those. First thing I want to get to is my top three takeaways from the NFL. Number one takeaway, Matt Stafford lived up to his contract. Wow. Wow. I have to give it to Matt Stafford. He really came to play yesterday. He had four touchdown passes against a very good Arizona Cardinals defense. And just goes to show in the NFL, you need a quarterback, and you need to make sure you have a high-end quarterback who is not only talented, but is also a leader. Matt Stafford had the most fourth-quarter comebacks last year. And this year, he's already off to one comeback. Wasn't in the fourth quarter, but he did have a great comeback. Sammy said, no, not on your title. You said that in your intro. Thank you. That's Sammy because there's so much sports to talk about. It couldn't fit all in one jungle. And that is right. Mitch Penner says, haha, I love that. One jungle doesn't suffice. Mitch Penner also said, I used my bookie today to bet on New Orleans and Chargers tonight at plus three. What do you think of those bets? I will get to those a little later, Mitch, but I do like both New Orleans 
and the Chargers tonight. So you are on the right track. But we're going to give you our Monday night preview towards the end of the show. Martin Gerhold says Raiders 0-4 in preseason, 1-0 in regular season. Seahawks 4-0 in preseason, 0-1 in regular season. The difference is the offensive line. And, yes, we're going to get to both teams' offensive lines here. Uh, that was kind of one of my key takeaways. That was takeaway number two was the Seahawks' offensive line is absurdly bad. We, Wow. Russell Wilson had no time to throw. Russell Wilson was continually flushed out of a pocket literally as soon as the ball was snapped. He had no open receivers due to this offensive line. He wasn't able to move the ball. And the Seahawks' defense also looked tired towards the end of the game, once again, because of this offensive line. The, the offense, I'm going to pull up the exact numbers here for you guys, but I believe the Seahawks were on the field um, more than, I mean, definitely more than half the game, and I want to almost say three quarters of the game. The time of possession stats really showed how dominant the, wow, yeah, it's like so 66% of the game the Packers had the ball versus 33% of the game the Seahawks had the ball. 20 minutes of time of possession for the Seahawks with only 12 first downs the whole game, and that's due to the offensive line. If you can't control the line of scrimmage, you're not going to be able to run the ball. You're not going to be able to get first downs, and your defense is going to get tired out. As talented as this Seahawks defense is, they cannot be on the field the whole game. And when they were on the field the whole entire game, this brought a lot of problems for the Seahawks defense, and they wore out towards the second half. Gave up a big play to Jordy Nelson, and that's all she wrote. The Packers, you know, the score, yes, there was a couple different key calls by the referees but I do not believe they're the reason they lost the game we'll get to that we're going to go game by game here in a bit my third takeaway is similar to the Seahawks takeaway but the New York football Giants offensive line is also horrendous everyone is going to be pointing out today that oh Odell Beckham Jr. should get paid oh Odell Beckham Jr. yesterday if they had him they would have been really you know, different game, and they would have been able to get him the ball, and it would have opened up a lot of different things. Absolutely not. What happened was the offensive line gave no time for Eli Manning. He was constantly under pressure from a Dallas defense that isn't the best in the league, but looked like monsters due to the lack of offensive line play from the from the New York Giants. Eli was on his back the whole game. Eli was throwing from his back foot the whole game. Brandon Marshall looked non-existent. They had no run game. Similar problems for the New York Giants and the Seattle Seahawks. Both good quarterbacks, but you got to look at their offensive line. Without an offensive line, neither team can go anywhere. Now, before we get into our game-by-game preview, I did give you guys my top five bets in college football and the NFL this week. We'll talk about my college football picks a little bit later, but I want to go back to my NFL picks. Great start to our betting season. We went four and one, so I hope you guys all cashed out and followed my picks. We had the Jaguars plus five and a half easily covered. We had the uh, Baltimore Ravens and Cincinnati Bengals. We did not cover that game. 
We had the Browns plus 10.5. They lost by three. Easy cover. We had the Lions plus two. They won outright by 12. Easy cover. And we had the Eagles minus one point against the Redskins. They won by 13. Another easy cover. So we went 4-1. and one. Hopefully you guys follow those bets from now on because we are giving out free money here on Stomp Live. 4-1 and one on the season. 4-1 and one on the week. Hot start for our top five. All right, let's go through a couple comments, and then we'll go game by game. Sammy Jarjour said, I took the Chargers plus three, and I like that bet. I'm probably staying away from the early game, but I would take New Orleans, but that's a good bet. Chris Strickland says, I just want my Dolphins to play. Shame they got to play 16, 16 straight, but those Rams, where did they come from? Oh, we'll be talking about the Rams here shortly, Chris. I know we say damn shame that the Dolphins didn't play. You went on to add that they could have rented an empty stadium. NFL did Tampa and Miami wrong. I don't believe they did them wrong. I think we had more important things to worry about as far as the Tampa Bay and Miami areas and fan bases. They should have been able to spend time with their families. They should have been able to, instead of traveling to the NFL game and forcing that, I know it's a shame they have to play 16 games in a row, but hear me out here. It's more important that the players got to spend time with their loved ones and be safe during this hurricane rather than try to force a football game. Sammy Jorjour, however, does agree with Chris. says, agree, it's a little unfair that the hurricane makes them go 16 straight. I think NFL should have worked something out for them and the Bucks. And Sammy also says, 0-4, let's go. He needs the Chargers today, and he loves them being the underdog, and I do agree. Matthew Zenin says, Colts are bad. They are god-awful. They're just a dumpster fire. We'll get, we'll get to them. We're going to go game by game here. Give us our keys to each and every game. Can't wait to get to that. Chris Strickland says, I see your point. I hope you guys win at 4-1 with me this week. I haven't looked at the lines yet for this week because tomorrow me and Sammy are doing our game-by-game line show. So stay tuned for that. It's going to be great. All right, key takeaways. We're going to go game-by-game. Seahawks versus Packers. The key takeaways I want to take from this game is the Seahawks' offensive line is horrific. Guys, Russell Wilson was just on his back the whole game. Every time he snapped the ball, he had to get out of a pocket. He had no time to throw. Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers has the most weapons I've seen them have since their Super Bowl season. The defense looks good. And offense, they got Martellius Bennett. They got Jordy Nelson. They got Randall Cobb. They got Devontae Adams. They have Ty Montgomery. They are stacked on the whole entire team. If Aaron Rodgers' offensive line holds up, which it did not look too fantastic against the Seahawks yesterday, I think we're going to see the Packers in the Super Bowl this year. They're the best team in the NFC. They dominated the game yesterday. I know the score and the officiating was bad, and that's my next point. The officiating was horrific. I don't – it might have changed the game. The pick six should have been a pick six still. There was no block in the back. Jimmy Graham got held in the end zone. It should have been pass interference. But at the end of the day, the problem with the Seahawks is, as usual, sometimes they get too emotional. Sometimes they get too high. Sometimes they want to hit people for no reason. Look, Aaron Rodgers was not going to stop that pick six from happening. You keep your hands off the guy. You go up 7 nothing in the first quarter in Lambeau. Instead, you got to be macho man in Seattle and hit the guy. That's my problem with the Seahawks. Um, look, if the off- 
if the offensive line doesn't get better, this team is going to have a lot of problems competing in the NFC. Sammy Georgeur says, no, I like being the underdog to you. Ha ha. I could have start 0-5. You're 4-1. I need some Sammy magic. Hey, good luck, bro. I want you to. Hey, as long as we betting and making money, that's what I like to see. Pete Chase is struggling with the pick, Sammy. And Sammy, in response to Pete, says, struggling is an understatement. I need the Chargers today, but I always find weeks one, two, three, the toughest. Yeah, I agree with that. These are tough weeks. You just got to, like for me, I like to read the lines, try to see what Vegas is inferring by the teams. And like this week, we went 4-1. and one. Hopefully you joined. I'll keep talking about it. 4-1, guys, join me. All right, next game, Cowboys versus Giants. We kind of touched on that for a moment. Look, the Cowboys still look good. The offensive line, I know they lost two out of their five members, but they did look fantastic up front. They got a lot of push against a very, very good Giants front seven. And now, my takeaway from this, this is Dak's team, guys. Dak Prescott looked like the leader of a team, not Ezekiel Elliott. Maybe Jason Witten is the emotional leader of a team, but Dak Prescott's the glue guy. Fantastic performance by Dak. I know the numbers aren't the most fantastic in the world. I know that his numbers don't aren't indicative of how good he actually played, but the guy's rock solid, and I think he's going to lead the Cowboys the whole season. Um, the Giants, however, their offensive line is putrid. They couldn't block for Eli. I don't care if they Odell Beckham Jr. is there. They still get their ass kicked in that game. They had no time to throw the ball. Brandon Marshall looked old. Sterling Shepard was their second leading receiver, and it was a bad game. It was just bad game for the Giants all around. Gary Cole says, was good. Are you saying, like, what, what was good or, like, what's good? Let me know. Uh, Cardinals versus Lions. I took away from that game that, hey, Carson Palmer looks old. And I'm going to pull up Carson Palmer's stats for you guys real quickly here. Um, but Carson Palmer did not look very good. The Cardinals scored 23 points, seven of which came on a pick six. Carson Palmer went 27 for 48 with a touchdown and three picks with a 28 QBR. On the other side of the ball, Matt Stafford looks like he's worth each and every penny that he got. It's 29 for 41, 292 yards and four touchdowns. He did throw a pick six earlier in the game. Detroit's rushing attack was non-existent. Uh, their leading rusher, Amir Abdullah, had 15 carries for 30 yards. Matthew Stafford put that team on his back and was able to take them where they needed to win that game. David Johnson, on the other hand, for the Cardinals, uh, looks like he's hurt. He could miss out half the season. And uh, if he does miss half the season, this team is going to be, I think, third place in the division. Chris Strickland says Blake Bortles was playing for his NFL life. We're almost at that game. We'll talk about him. And he he looks like uh, he was on life support, and he made it out. Uh, Eagles versus Redskins. What I took away from that game is it's Wentz's coming out party, guys. Carson Wentz is really, really good. And we saw that. We saw that in the first quarter when he shed two tackles and hit Nelson Aguilar on a 45-yard touchdown. We saw him in the second half without his uh, left tackle, Jason Peters. Still play really good. But what I took out of that game is the Eagles in, in, Eagles injuries are key. Look, if they lose Jason Peters for the season, which it doesn't seem like that it's going to happen, 
they're in trouble. But in their secondary, they also lost Strickland and he, with a dislocated ankle. If he's out for the season, they have one of the worst secondaries in all of football to go with one of the best front sevens in all of football. This defense could have been nasty with Darby. If Darby's out, hey, this Eagles team might not be the team that I pick to win the NFC East. And on the other side of a ball, the Redskins' def- defense was horrible. Uh, they gave up a ton of ton of yards to Blake Bortles and company, and they just did not look good. They did not look in sync. Um, Carson went through for over 300 yards, and he just look, look. I mean, let's look at these stats that we're gonna go through the team stats real quick. The Eagles' defense came to play. The Redskins' defense did not. 356 total yards for the Eagles versus 264 for the Redskins. But what I really want to take out of that is the time of possession, more than 10 minutes extra time of possession for the Eagles. That's due to their fantastic offensive line and the way they they play. They just control the ball. Gary Cole says, we coming for Philly next. Tomahawk slap. All right, that's a Kansas City Chief fan over there. Hey, I think that's a game of a week next week, in my opinion. There, there are very two very good teams, two teams that one the Eagles that I picked to win the division. I picked the Chiefs to take a step back this year, but does not seem like that's going to be the case. Well coached. Going to be interesting to see uh, Andy Reid and uh, Peterson go at it. They know each other's offenses. They run similar offenses, and both teams are actually built very similarly. The next game we're going to barely touch on. <coughs> Excuse me. Jets versus Bills. Look, the Jets are bad, guys. I, I can't take away much out of this game other than Jets are bad. Bills are okay. What else could you really take out of this game? The Jets are probably the worst team in football. The Bills looked above average. They look like they can play a bit. So that's all we can take out of this game. Uh, Tyrod Taylor looked all right. And that's all. We, we don't got to spend too much time on the Jets and Bills. But, hey, Bills fans, enjoy your uh, one week as the number one team in the NFC East. Falcons versus Bears. Um, two takeaways here is one is the Bears can't catch. They had multiple app opportunities to win that football game. Instead, they dropped a few passes in the end zone to lose the game. Um, the Falcons did not look explosive. The Bears' defense had held the Falcons to 23 points. The Bears... Um, Defense is not a fan, like amazing defense. The Falcons just look like a step slower, and I think this is just you know the beginning of a long season in Atlanta. Uh, we're we're going to find out here pretty quickly if they have a Super Bowl hangover or not, but I believe they will. And I just did not look explosive, and the Bears had an opportunity to win that game, and the Bears looked a lot better than we have come to expect. Steelers versus Browns. Um, Takeaway from this game. Hey, Deshaun Kaiser's good. He's all right. He, he can get the job done. Big Ben is now the all-time leading winner in, in Brown Stadium history, which is crazy because he plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers, not the Browns. And uh, good thing Big Ben had Antonio Brown yesterday because I think he had 11 catches. Le'Veon Bell looked sluggish coming off his return from uh, his holdout. So that's the key takeaways from that game. I know the end of a game, the score looked a lot closer than it actually was. Um, I think the Browns scored right at the end of the game, made it a three-point game, but they were never really actually in the game. So win for the Steelers. It looked like a lack, 
lackluster performance, but they got the job done in Cleveland. Jags versus Texans. Pretty quickly, Texans QBs are horrid, and Jags have a lot of talent. Uh, the talent on the Jacksonville Jaguars is pretty evident on their defensive front. Blake Bortles played for his football life, and he is still alive. So good job to Blake Bortles. And Texas, they, they got to figure it out, man. They got to figure it out. And uh, on Periscope, I got uh, Salam, hello, and Chow. Ciao, salam, hello, what's up, what's up? Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, Blake, look, they lost Allen Robinson for the season in Jacksonville, so it's going to be really hard for them to continue the success, I think, in the rest of the season. Raiders versus Titans, in my opinion, the most, maybe the two best teams that played each other game by game. Uh, and P. Chase is... Texans have to start Watson. I think they actually announced a little earlier today they are starting Watson. Tom Savage is horrific. Uh, Deshaun Watson didn't look too good when he came in, but that's he didn't he wasn't expecting to play. So I'm gonna give him let him get a week to uh, you know get into the offense and let's get Deshaun Watson to start. Noah says Kaiser looked good, but Steelers D still looked suspect. The Steelers D did look suspect, but you got to also remember the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns is pretty good. It's not; it's one of the top five offensive lines in all of football, so they did a good job of holding the uh, Steelers at bay and gave Kaiser time to throw the ball. But the Raiders and Titans, the, I mean, it's ridiculous. I The Titans started their season with an onside kick, which is, a, for me, I hate when the co- a coach is gimmicky. Like, I hate the coach that comes in like, ooh, you know, like uh, in Tennessee, he has a trash can. Like, you got to be a solid coach. Let's not try to do gimmicks. Let's try to win the football game with good defense and a good offensive line. Titans tried to do some trickery right at the beginning of the game. Came, the Raiders right away got the ball to Marshawn Lynch, who looked a lot better than I expected, went down the field and scored. Amari Cooper looks like a beast. They can't even tackle him. The Raiders look like they might be the class of the AFC, along with the Patriots. The AFC West has the Chiefs and the Patriots, the Chiefs and the Raiders, and I think those two teams look like the two best teams in week one in the AFC. Pete Chase says, well, Watson is passing to the ultimate safety net, the elite DeAndre Hopkins. Yes, he is. He is a, a very, very elite DeAndre Hopkins. He actually looked a little frustrated yesterday. I know he scored a touchdown, but I was looking at his targets and uh, completions. They targeted him quite a bit. He had seven catches, but they targeted Deshaun Watson nine. Oh, not two. Oh, no, sorry, wrong one. They targeted him 16 times. He caught seven catches. So not all the time he actually caught the ball. It was too. He, he they had to force him the ball because he's getting open and he's the best receiver that they have. Sammy Jorjour said, I said this before, I love gimmicks, but that Titans onside kick is a gimmick beyond my liking. I like gimmicks that don't affect games. Okay, I agree with that. That's That was really more my problem. That affected the game from the start. I mean, you want to set a tone at the beginning of the season, and the tone that got set was onside kick, Raiders recover, they go downfield and score. That was the, that was the uh, matchup of the two broken leg to QBs from last season. And David Carr won that matchup, and the Raiders look like the class of the AFC. Colts versus Rams. 
fire Chuck Pagano right now. After the game, he said the 49ers kicked our ass. They actually played the Rams. The Rams look a lot better. Jared Goff, uh, from all accounts and purposes, threw for 300 yards, but a lot of people said he did not look as good as his stats. Nonetheless, they won the game by an absurd margin, and I don't know what the Colts are going to do. They won four, They lost 46-9 to the Rams, and they just did not look like they can move the ball. They did not look comfortable, and this team looks like they can be in some deep, deep trouble. In the last game of the day, Panthers versus 49ers, the 49ers just looked awful. The Panthers still look unhealthy at I, the best way to look at it, Cam Newton looks like he's still getting his feet wet underneath him. The team's not completely ready yet. Um, Cam Newton, look, 14 for 25, 171 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. He also ran the ball six times for three yards. He just doesn't look comfortable yet. But I think this is a perfect game for them to go against the 49ers to open this season. And then he can get comfortable as the season goes on. Uh, Cam Newton is the key to the Carolina Panthers' success. And they won the game handedly, but we'll see where Carolina goes from here on out. I believe they have a a lot. They have a tougher game next. No, they open. They got the Bills at home next week, so they get a chance to play. You know, a couple easy games to start the season and let Cam Newton kind of get his feet underneath him and get healthy. Pete says, excluding a few teams, the NFL didn't look ready to start the season. Pete, I completely agree. We were talking about the quality of the games, me and Sammy, earlier. If you just – the morning games, first of all, I mean, let's let's look at the amount of difference in the scoring between the teams. I mean, we just got one more to go back. Uh, the We'll even go through them Thursday. The Patriots lost by 15. The Jets lost by 9. The Bears lost by 6. The Ravens lost by 20. Steelers-Brown was a three-point game, but it was not really a three-point game. Lions by 12. Jaguars by 22. Raiders by 10. Eagles by 13. Colts by thir- lost by 37. Seahawks lost by 8. Panthers won by 20. Cowboys won by 16. There was no quality of games. I mean, no games really came down to the wire either. The only game that went down to the wire was the Falcons and Bears, and that wasn't a very well-played game either. Um, if you watched the afternoon games, most people had the Seahawks and Packers on. Horrible watch. And then because of the offensive lines of both teams, didn't give the quarterbacks time to throw. And then if you watched the Sunday night football game, you had the Giants and the Cowboys. Same thing. The Cowboys, uh, the Giants' offensive line could not hold the Cowboys at all. So it made the... Game. Both games were very hard to watch. Hopefully the quality of football tonight is better. And everyone said, well said, Pete. Uh, Pete Chase's Sunday games looking like Thursday games. Sammy Georgiou and Noah Pratt agree with Pete. And that, that's our, that, those are our large takeaways from the NFL Week 1. We're going to move on to a little bit of college football here, guys. Um, I want to give you guys my college football top 10. And kind of talk about each and every one of those teams for like half a second to a minute, half a minute to a minute, not half a second. Imagine trying to talk about each and team half a second. That would be really, really hard to do. Gary Cole said, "What's what were your thoughts on the Pats running into our kicker twice in a row? Think a rule of some sort should be implemented. 
Yeah, well, it used to be running into the kicker and roughing the kicker was the same penalty years and years and years ago. I think that's, I mean, obviously they shouldn't be running into the kicker, but some sort of rule should be implemented because, look, if it's 4th and 13th, you're going to keep taking risks. You can take two risks technically to try to block and be extra aggressive and not worry if you run into the kicker. But then you also have the risk of roughing the kicker, which can happen a lot of times when you're being overly aggressive, and that'd be a 15-yard penalty and an automatic first down. So I think the rule in place is fine right now. You don't see it too often. You saw the Patriots do it two times in a row, but in general, you just don't see this rule having to be applied too often in the NFL. All right, on to my college football top 10. We're going to work our way from 10 down. Uh, my number 10 team is Oklahoma State. Um, they are very high-powered on offense. They look good in week one. They did not play in week two, I believe. Yeah, they had, they had a bye week. But, no, they, they played on Friday, beat uh, South Alabama 44-7. to their offense looks good. Mason Rudolph looks like a Heisman Trophy candidate. I don't think he's going to be in the running, but a top five Heisman Trophy candidate for sure. If they keep winning games, he could become a household name to become a Heisman Trophy candidate. My number nine team is Ohio State University. They lost to 15 points to Oklahoma. And my key takeaway from the Ohio State Buckeyes is JT Barrett is either gotten taken a huge step backwards or is just not a very good quarterback. Their offense, they look like they have no offensive identity. Um, they had three points at halftime. Um, looking a little bit into their stats here, they, they just did not look like a team that could win a national championship with this type of quarterback play. Not saying that they can't because it's only one loss. But JT Barrett, 19 for 35, 183 yards, just kind of anemic on offense and it, that's that's hard to be a national championship contender or a top four playoff contender with a bad quarterback especially in the big 10 which each and every week proves to be a big test my number eight team is a little bit of a surprise lsu tigers i think they're one of the most underrated teams in the country uh, i think they could be finish this season a lot higher than eighth I think they're going to win each and every game in going into that Alabama game where I think we're going to be seeing two top five teams playing each other. LSU looks good. Their defense, if you watch them, I know they play Chattanooga, which is not a very good team. But if you watch LSU, they look physical. They look strong. And they've had two top ten recruiting classes in a row. So this is a type of team, and I think four out of the last five years they've had a top ten recruiting class. So they have the athletes. And when you have the athletes in college football, you can dominate. They play great defense. And I like the LSU Tigers at number eight. My number seven team is Penn State. Look, uh, I have Penn State a little lower than most people, but that doesn't mean they're not a good team. They're well coached. Uh, their coach, Franklin, uh, said something funny after the game the other day. Uh, they asked him, how does it feel to beat Pitt? He said, well, for Pitt, it's a big deal when they beat us last year. But when we beat Pitt, it's no big deal. It's like beating Akron. So a shot at a cross-state rival. But, uh, yeah, I like, I like Penn State. I think they're going to be up there in the running all season. I got them as my number seven team. My number six team is Michigan. Uh, look, I said it last week, but they have an identity, and I love finding teams with identities and riding them. Um, Jim Harbaugh likes a big physical punch-you-in-the-face football, and that's what they're doing. 
they are, I mean, they are a physical, physical team. I think they're, in my opinion, the second or best best team in the Big Ten. Um, they can't, after seeing JT Barrett and Ohio State play, I think they're better than Ohio State. Are they better than Penn State? It's hard to tell. But Penn State and Michigan are the class of the Big Ten. Uh, Jim Harbaugh has done a great job of pushing his identity, and I think he, he is just quick turnaround. I love Michigan and what they're doing. They beat uh, Cincinnati 36-14, to 14, for those who don't know. Robert Bromley says Penn State University look good. Yes, they do. They're a good team. I like Penn State, and I think they're going to continue to be good. I, I just I like Michigan slightly more. I believe those two teams play later in the season. Let me check the schedule for you. And I think that that could be a preview with along with Wisconsin of a big of teams that can win the Big Ten. Yeah, we got uh, October twenty first, Michigan at Penn State, biggest test of the season for Michigan until they go to Wisconsin and then play Ohio State later on. My number five team in the country is the University of Washington Huskies. This is a little higher than most places have them. They have them at number seven and number six, I believe. Some places have them at number six. But UW as the fifth best team in the nation. Look, this team went to the national champion or the uh, college football playoffs last year. They played pretty well against Alabama in the first half, and they look physical. They haven't played anyone yet. They just defeated Montana 63 to seven, but they did it in the fashion that you need to do it. Their defense did not give up one point, though. Seven points was a pick six. They look dominant, and they look like a team that's ready to make a run in the Pac-12 North to win the Pac-12 North and go play USC in the Pac-12 championship with a chance to win. That's what it looks like they're going to do, a chance to get to the college football playoff. DZ Tarninson says, do you think Ohio State will play a good game or bad football? Look, they're still one of the most talented teams in the country. Ohio State's going to be up there with a chance to go to the playoffs. They have one loss only. And that one loss is against a very, very good football team. But the problem with Ohio State is their quarterback play looks awful. And without good quarterback play, it's really hard to compete in the Big Ten. But, I mean, look, they got Army, then UNLV, at Rutgers versus Maryland, at Nebraska. They're going to win all those games until the and then go play at Penn State on October 28th. And speaking of Penn State, that's a murder, murder row schedule for Penn State. For the rest of the season, I mean, they they got Ohio State, they got Michigan back to back at home. Thank God for them; it's both at home, but they still have a very tough schedule to deal with. Even though I do like the Nittany Lions, and I think they're going to go be good all season. My number four team is the USC Trojans. Look, I pick Stanford, and we're going to get to my picks. My college football picks went two and three this week. I'll just say it now I got some games totally wrong. From my number four team in the country and my number three team in the country. This is one of the games I got totally wrong. USC dominated Stanford on both sides of the ball. USC is more physical and more athletic than Stanford. And I didn't expect them to push around Stanford like they did. But they did do it. So USC is my fourth best team in the country. Sam Darnold, look, he's a good, good quarterback. He makes some, does throw some interceptions. But he's the type of guy, he's a gunslinger. And I like that for him. I actually do. I don't think it's a bad thing that Sam Darnold's a gunslinger, and I believe that uh, this is one of the best teams in all of college football. Uh, I'm worried about the Uni- University of Washington Huskies. If we get to the you know college football playoffs, are we going to have to play? Uh, if we get to the uh, 
Pac-12 championship, if we play them, can we compete with this team? They're very, very physical. They're very, very athletic. The only thing that they have that I don't, I'm not in love with is Clay Helton and their coaching staff. Um, we don't have enough evidence to know that Clay Helton is a fantastic football coach, but we do know that this team has fantastic talent. My next team on the list, number three, Clemson. And this is the game I got completely wrong. Uh, they dominated Auburn on defense. 14-6 uh, game. Auburn can only muster two field goals with uh, with Jared Stidham, who I, I thought was a Heisman Trophy candidate. Boy, was I wrong. They dominated him. Domination. They have a very tough game next week versus Louisville. And spoiler alert. I'm picking Louisville minus uh, plus three points on that game. I think Louisville can beat Clemson. This will be a tough matchup. I'm just wondering if Kelly Bryant, who looked okay, 19 for 28, 181 yards, is going to be able to compete with Lamar Jackson, you know, and put score by score up. It's going to be interesting to watch, but I, I think Clemson goes down next week. But we'll find out. Great game by them. Number two team in the country, Oklahoma. Look, Baker Mayfield came, Baker Mayfield saw, and Baker Mayfield um, conquered. Uh, I love after the game, he tried to plant an Oklahoma flag right in the middle of Ohio State Buckeyes logo. Um, look, he has swag. He's the leader for the Heisman Trophy. He went 27 for 35 with 386 yards and three touchdowns against a very well-coached Urban Meyer team. Um it was, it was very similar to the game against Ohio State last year, but the roles were reversed. Um, Ohio State went into Oklahoma and dominated. This time, Oklahoma went into Ohio State and was a very close game at first. And then the second half, Oklahoma dominated. I love Baker Mayfield. I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy if he keeps this up. Oklahoma is the number two team in the country, and Oklahoma, I believe, will be in the college football playoffs when we get there and yes he did it sammy um number one alabama look <laughs> the crimson tide are just dominant i know they didn't they played fresno state who's a nobody 41 to 10 nick saban just has these troops humming along they got colorado state next week at vanderbilt mississippi at texas a&m tennessee at home mark november 4th on your calendar guys lsu comes to alabama I think that's going to be their first test of the year. I think those are the two best teams in the SEC, Alabama and uh, LSU. So let's see who wins that game. But I love, love Alabama at number one. So once again, my top 10 teams, Bama 1, Oklahoma 2, Clemson 3, USC 4, UW 5, Michigan 6, Penn State 7, LSU 8, Ohio State 9, and Oklahoma State 10. Sammy Jojur says, I don't know how I feel about Jackson on the big stage. No offense to no offense to him, but he doesn't always show up against top-notch teams. And he's talking about Baker Mayfield. He didn't try. He did plant the flag. That's true. He did plant the flag. And Sammy, we're look, Lamar Jackson has not showed up on some big stages, but on other big stages against number three team in the country last year, in Florida State, he put up five touchdowns and won the game in Louisville. 
So I feel like he does show up at Louisville. It's going to be – I mean, that's the best game on the schedule next week. We don't have as jam-packed of a college football schedule this coming week as we did uh, – as we did this week, but in general, we still have a we got we got that game, and that game is going to be really good. And I'm sure I'll be watching it with with Sammy Chargeur. So he he knows that, so we watch almost all the games together. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. I just feel like Clemson Kelly Bryant's not going to be able to put up the amount of points that um that Louisville does. He looked. The Auburn defense did look good last week, too. So, I mean, maybe that's more of a testament on uh, Auburn more than against, against um, you know, Kelly Bryant. But we'll, what we're going to find out here pretty quickly. All right. On to our next story, our weird story of the day. As you guys know, each and every day I find one weird story in the news and I read it out loud here. We talk about it for a moment before we move on to more important things. Uh, this one has some significant importance to it. Because it has to do with the hurricane that's going on. And prayers out to all the people in uh, Florida. Uh, those with power, those without power. You guys are in our prayers. And I'm glad Hurricane Irma was not as bad as initially anticipated. All right. So Hurricane Irma looters film stealing so many shoes from Foot Locker. That's a really bad headline, but that's how they wrote it. A video posted on Twitter shows numerous people running from a Foot Locker in Miami carrying as many pair of sneakers as they can. Criminals across the state are stealing all kinds of goods as the storm continues to lash cities of rain and powerful winds. It comes after the mayor of Tampa called a curfew and said anyone caught looting will be dealt with aggressively. Buck Buckhorn said, you may not have power for a number of days, if not weeks. We know that we are ground zero for Hurricane Irma. For 90 years, we have avoided this day, but I think our day has come. What I am most concerned about most is the storm surge. If you don't need to be out, don't go out. We will be, we will be, let me underscore this, we will be aggressive with anyone we find looting. He continued, there's nothing worse than taking advantage of your fellow citizens at a time like this. We will not tolerate in any way, shape, or form anybody we have caught engaged in criminal behavior, particularly in the areas that have been hardest hit by this hurricane. If you are out on the streets as of 6 p.m., we are going to challenge you and find out what you're doing out there. It's very important that everyone stays inside until we give a clear all. People caught outside after 6 could be arrested and face misdemeanor charges. At least four people have died as the hurricane continues to pound Florida. And the story has a bunch of um, pictures of the damage being inflicted upon uh, Florida and the Tampa Bay area, but look, anyone caught stealing during this time should go to jail for life. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, how unsensitive and a piece of shit can you be by going out and stealing from fellow citizens, stealing from malls, stealing from hardworking people at a time of a natural disaster like Hurricane Irma? Some people just don't get it. And those people don't get it, don't deserve to be on, out on the streets as normal day citizens, in my opinion. So yeah, go ahead, arrest them, put them in jail, 
you should not be looting under any circumstance here. That's bullshit. And if you're one of those people that steal, it's bad. But it's even worse during a hurricane like this. It's a little bit more of a somber, weird story of a day. But it's a, it's, it's a serious story. So hopefully people learn their lessons. All right. Last, last story of a day. We got two big Monday night football games. Every Monday night football game is not big. But once you're in week one, this is like the game that pisses off everyone, right? Because most people in the West Coast are at work during the first game. And most people are ready to go to bed in the East Coast during the second game. So let's go through each game. We got the Saints visiting Minnesota. Minnesota is a three-point favorite against the Saints. And if you want to bet on this game, you can go to mybookie.ag. They are the best place to bet on games. All you do is go to mybookie. That's spelled M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E dot A-G. You don't have to text your friends. You don't have to find a seedy guy at a bar. You don't have to go to any weird website you've never heard of. Just go to mybookie.ag, and on your first deposit, use promo code SONT. That's S-O-N-T at checkout, and you'll receive a 100% cashback bonus on your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $100, you'll get $100 back. You can bet on both Monday night games that way, and... MyBookie.ag has the fastest payouts in the industry, 48 hours. Can you believe that? 48 hours, you will get the money that you win. And they have a great mobile site to make betting on the go easy and live in-game betting. So you can bet on the next play. Is it going to be a run? Is it going to be a pass? Completed? How many yards will be? There's so many different things you can bet on. But the best place to do it is MyBookie.ag. All right. So Saints at Vikings. So this is the first game for Adrian. Here's some big storylines from this game. Adrian Peterson's first game as a New Orleans Saint. He gets to go back to the place where he made his big name. That's Minnesota. Um, the over-under set at 47.5. I kind of like the Saints today to keep this game close. I don't think it's going to be necessarily high scoring. A lot of people are very, very high on the Vikings this year because their defense and their coaching staff. Look, their defense is really strong, and they have a good coaching staff. But the Saints also have a good coach, and Drew Brees has, is still there. So a lot of hate against the Saints, but I believe that they'll be able to uh, you know, come in and – play well I really do I don't think uh, I don't think they're going to be able to I don't think they'll, they'll struggle too much against uh, Minnesota to move the ball I think they'll always find a way to move the ball with Drew Brees and company at the helm so I'm really if I, I'll take the Saints plus three here on Monday Night Football hopefully we have some great takeaways on the game tomorrow um, the Saints have a very good offense and the Vikings have a very good defense, so something's going to have to give. Games at Minnesota, minus three. And I, this is, by the way, Minnesota is the host of the Super Bowl this year. Gary Cole says Saints over Vikings, 24-10. I, I have a 17-16 Vikings win, but Saints cover the spread. The second game of the day, 7.20 p.m. Pacific or 10.20 Eastern. Char he has charges over Denver 17-3. I got the 
Denver is minus three against the Chargers. I'm going to take the Chargers plus three. I have the Chargers winning this game 24 to 20 against the Denver Broncos. Uh, it's going to be a close game, but I think the Chargers just prevail against the Broncos. Phillip Rivers is still on the Los Angeles Chargers. It's going to take us all year to figure out they're not the San Diego Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. Denver still has a bad quarterback situation in Trevor Simeon. And I'm. it's going to be interesting to see. How, their defense is still there. The defense is still good. But how long do they go with Trevor Simeon? And is, is Paxton Lynch ever actually going to get good enough to take over the starting spot? He was drafted number one overall last year. And he still is not starting for them. So it's kind of a bad situation for him. And hopefully we see a better quarterback play from the Broncos. Or I think they're not going to. I think they finish last in the AFC West. Chargers, on the other hand, along with. Look, I think the Chargers are going to be really good. And I think the Chiefs are very good. And I think the Raiders are very good. So I think we're going to have three top-notch teams in the AFC West. Which one of them is going to miss the playoffs? Can all three make the playoffs? The season is going to tell us. But it's very hard for three teams to come out of a division into the playoffs. But if there's a division in the NFL that could do it, I believe it's the AFC West. That's the hardest division for me to to actually handicap. A lot of good teams. All right, let's go through our show recap real quick. Um, we went through all the NFL games. Our key takeaways... Um, once again, I said that the Seahawks offensive line is horrible. One of the worst offensive lines I've seen in football in recent memory. I don't know if they're trying to get Russell Wilson killed back there, but this team is going to struggle all season unless they can find a way to fix this offensive line. And that's a big problem to me. I, I, I don't know what the Seahawks are going to do. No offensive line is a problem. They have a very good defense. They have a good coaching staff. But two things from yesterday's game that I wanted, I wanted to take out from the Seahawks. One, horrible offensive line, like I said. And two, lack of discipline. Easily could be up 7 nothing. Instead, during the pick six, they have to do a block on the back on Aaron Rodgers, who was nowhere near making the tackle, thus costing the Seahawks seven points. You have to be disciplined in the NFL to win games. You can't do it this way. My second takeaway from the NFL season was Matthew Stafford's worth the money. Look, Matt Stafford is a good quarterback. A lot of people were saying, why is he getting the highest paid quarterback in the NFL? It's what the market demanded. That's how it works. And he's living up to it. Yesterday against the Arizona Cardinals secondary, which is regarded as one of the best secondaries in all of football, he threw four touchdowns, led the Lions to 35 points. Well, 28 points on offense, seven from their defense. But 28 points and looked like a leader and looked like trying to lead the Lions to the playoffs for the second consecutive season. I really liked what I saw out of Detroit. And third takeaway was the Giants. Everyone's talking about what are the Giants without Odell Beckham Jr.? Even if they had Odell they would not be able to compete in that game. Their offensive line is just like Seattle's and needs to be recovered. There needs to be something done about that offensive line. You cannot win football games with 
an offensive line that's patched together and that doesn't give your quarterback more than two seconds to throw the ball each and every time. I've said it over and over again. You build your football teams from the middle out, not from the out middle. So, yeah, bring in Odell. But if the offensive line doesn't block, yeah, it'll help a little bit, but you're still going to have problems. Gary Cole said, Pats have issues as well as they better get that pass rushing game in order or they will continue to fall. Oh, yeah, the Patriots' pass rush looked so awful the other day. They never got pressure on the quarterback. Gary, if you go back to our show on uh, Friday, you'll, you'll see me talk all about those New England Patriots and their pass rush. And I love the Patriots. I still think they're the class of the AFC. But that pass rush is no good. Sammy Georgiou, they said they look slow as hell. Are you talking about the Pats' pass rush or the Giants' And then after that, we gave you guys our NCAA top 10 teams. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Oklahoma. Number three, Clemson. Number four, USC. Five, UW, University of Washington. Six, Michigan. Seven, Penn State. Eight, LSU. Nine, Ohio State. And 10, Oklahoma State. That was my top 10. Uh, We recapped our bets of the week. We went two and three in college this week. We went three and two the week before. We're six and six on the season in college football. However, in the NFL, we went four and one week one. So we're four and one on the season. Great start. And last but not least, tonight, Saints and Vikings. Take the Saints plus three and take Chargers Broncos. I'm taking the Chargers plus three. I think the Vikings win the game outright, and I think the Chargers beat the Broncos. So you got one home team winning and one road team winning tonight. All right. Well, thank you for watching. And that being said, we've been coming at you live and direct from the Sound Live Studios in sunny Everett, Washington. Thank you for watching on Facebook.com slash Sound Live or Twitter, Periscope.com slash Sound Live. And if you miss any of our shows, you can download our podcast at the iTunes Store or SoundCloud. So like, subscribe, watch, download all at Sound Life. Stay safe out there. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.